Mr. A here, saying, how y'all doing? Yo! Are you ready to rumble? Or should I say tumble? Cause I don't stumble, I bumble like a crack of white Welcome to the Rumble. We are back and better than ever, helping you stay ready so you don't have to get ready. We don't want you sucker punch, so we're here each and every week helping you keep your guard up. I'm Jeremy Lavelle with Remedy Claims Consulting at Claims Coach on Instagram and TikTok. They just call me the mouth of the South, and alongside of me, as always, is Mr. Brent Hooper with Max Claim Solutions of Baltimore, Maryland. We call him the beast of the East and the pragmatically precocious and the stunningly sarcastic, the one, the only baby cakes, Miss Donna Lavelle. How's everybody doing? Good, good, good. Well, another fine day. Another, another fine, fine day, day. <laughs> with 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 a very short night in front of you is what I'm is what I'm betting, Brent, yeah. because Brent is a so, brand yeah. new father. Yeah, it happened. It happened. He did it. Yeah. He did it. Nothing he could do to stop it. <laughs> no return policy. It wouldn't take him back because the tags weren't on him anymore. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> they cut the tag. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, well. How um, was the birth? How'd it go? It was, it was, uh, it was pretty good. She, she went into labor on Tuesday. Um, we went to the hospital, I want to say around, I'm probably screwing this up, but around like two or three in the afternoon. And he was in this world by call it eight, eight or nine at night. Um, but he had a little breathing issue, so we didn't actually get to really be around him until about midnight. So, but on the whole, compared to some of a lot of stories and unfortunate things i've heard i mean on the whole i guess it was a fairly seamless uh you know transaction so well welcome since we go ahead brent i'm yeah. sorry yeah go ahead i was just gonna say since we've been home i mean you know she's healthy he's healthy so can't ask for much more than that right well guys join so. me in welcoming mr henry jameson hooper to the to, to to the rest of humanity we're so glad you're here man there's been some speculations yeah. among among the our thousands of fans they want to know if uh, jameson is after the bottle or if it's a family name ah uh, so i am a huge jameson fan <laughs> but um it's not after the bottle uh. Um, we were going to go with James. I thought James was a little bit boring. Yeah. So we spiced it up a little bit, but it was not after the bottle. Okay. In fact, I didn't want to do Jameson because I didn't want people to think that. <laughs> and my, my lovely wife, Hannah was like, well, the answer is that it's not after the bottle. So who cares? I'm like, okay. Yeah. That's the answer. <laughs> that's the ultimate. Well, yeah. my, uh, my youngest son, Noah, his middle name is, is Mac. And uh, at, the, awesome. at the time, and it's actually my dad's middle name. So it was a family name, but I was accused because I was a big Macintosh fan for a long time. You know, I still use <laughs> Apple and, and uh, you know, adjusting claims has kind of forced me into the PC world because we don't have a lot of really solid estimating software um, on the Mac base. Now I know that there's some, some internet based web apps that are out now that you could probably use a Mac on, but that's what made me convert. But other than that, I just loved Macintosh computers, and everybody thought I named him Mac after the computer, but I did not. The fans had another question. Yo, yeah, what was the other question? Did you watch the birth actually happen? So I think the real question uh, is, is are you a north of the border kind of guy or a south of the border uh, kind of guy? I was north of the border. North of the border, my I, man. You didn't that's, see anything? That's right. You can't unsee that. Well... Well, let me say so, to the men out there, no matter what you see, that thing snaps back. It takes a pound. Well, so so here, without getting into too much detail, I did the old sorta of when 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 we were or Henry was getting close to, you know, being out, I did the old peripheral sorta of, kinda of, sorta of glance. And uh I said, yeah, that's enough. Of that. <laughs> oh, <gross. laughs> I reaffixed my eyes to the wall. So, yeah, that's that was, awesome. That was that 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 peripheral that moment to was, have was, eyes. Was, yeah, that's all I needed. So, <laughs> right on. It's all good. Happy 
happy happy we're here just getting our footing getting adjusted and yeah you know ready well, to, ready to do the damn thing well i mean we were talking a little bit before the show on the phone and i was telling brent i was like you know while we hate the midnight feedings and having to change in the middle of the night after this after you're through this phase anytime they wake you up in the middle of the night ain't anything good ever i just cheat my bed <laughs> you're 18 come on come on <laughs> hey dad i just got caught in a hotel room full of hookers and cocaine you know those are those are oh my <laughs> that's Only the next five. time you get woken up in the middle of the night so all of, so it's never good news so I mean, while while this is frustrating, just realize it ain't anything bad. We all go through it, and uh, and it will be over and done with. And you might at some point in time actually miss it. So, but guys, we have got an incredible um, topic today. I think you know what I'm saying, and uh, I think we're going to try to dispel some myths and some common misconceptions. And uh, Donna, I have been racking my brain trying to come up with a title for this, you know, um, about what we do and what we don't do, what our role, and I just couldn't come up with anything. You got anything stewing around over there? Since we do everything and there's very few things we don't do, it's easier to tell you about that list, and we like to call this, here's what we not going to do. Okay, so here's what we not going to do. Guys, the action is going to come to you in three separate rounds. When the round starts, you'll hear this sound, and when the round is over, you'll hear this sound now remember um this is not a debate show what we're doing is we are pulling this straight out of the headlines of the claims that we work on a day-to-day -day basis knowing that you're probably mired down in the same shit we are and so if you hear anything cool or funny it's not me or brent pushing any buttons it's donna over there uh baby cakes over there twisting and tweaking and doing her thing and so we really appreciate all that she does and i'm excited to kind of dig into some of this stuff because i think i might end up venting before it's all over and so i'm excited <laughs> and round one starts right it's after therapy. this when choosing someone to help with your online marketing make sure you go with someone that has years of experience our good friend Sally at Thrive has over 20 years of digital marketing experience. She can build you a beautiful 15-page, sleek, interactive website, post on your social media platforms multiple times a week. She can do a video, an amazing CRM to manage and uh, maintain and nurture your clients, text, email marketing, review generation, a business listing on 60 plus search engines, including three voice networks, appointment scheduling, estimates, invoices, payment processing, and more. She will also create for you on, uh, on Google, a Facebook page, in Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. If you need these for your businesses, she'll, she'll help you create those pages on all of those sites. If you already have these pages, she'll optimize them for you as well. Call or message Sally today. If you want to get started, you can reach her at 214-789-1651. Again, her name is Sally Brigance. Her number is 214-789-1651. And uh, you'll also get a landing page the day you sign up. When you send her a referral that signs up with her, she'll credit your billing account. Logos are also available. Um, and she also offers a lead generation service in SEO, search engine optimization, where she can uh, guarantee you to appear on the first page of Google or your money back. It is spelled T-H-R-Y-B. And you can find my good friend Sally Brigance, and that's spelled S-A-L-L-I-E. Brigance, B-R-I-G-A-N-C-E, and she can be reached once again at 214-789-1651. Round one. Who does what? <laughs> so we've got a lot of people. I have found basically the, 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 the simple answer to this question is that PAs perform the duties after the loss. You know what I mean? That's kind of that's what that's what we're going to lend our expertise to do. But really and truly, um, we're kind of like the quarterback of a claim. You know what I'm saying, Brent? You know, I, it's it, yeah. there's a lot of people that think that PAs have to be master estimators. They have to know everything in the world about construction. They have to you know, they have to have expertise in mitigation. They have to have and 
And I'm going to, I'm going to tell you right now, that's just not true. You know what I mean? It's not, that is not the skill set that's really required as a public adjuster to know any of that stuff, though. There are a lot that, that, that kind of cross over into those areas. What do you think, Brent? It's interesting because it's, it's kind of tricky to talk about without feeling like you're splitting hairs. Right. Right. So even when you say perform the duties after a loss, well, again, without splitting hairs and going, you know, call it phrase for phrase of the duties after a loss, I think, I think there's a difference between performing them versus facilitating them on behalf of the insured. Mm -hmm. And, and lexically, I, I feel like the, difference between those two words is sort of semantical my point is is that and, I, and i'm going to piggyback what you said like i say it all the time i'm not a master estimator or any of that i don't know everything about construction and and i do agree with you you don't really need that to be a very proficient public adjuster but as the sort of the claim quarterback as you called it i think it's kind of important to know where you need to go to to pull these things together and ultimately produce a claim file. Did, did that was that succinct? Did that make sense? Well, so it, like it really performing it per, performing it is different than being able to facilitate getting either that estimate or that expert or that yeah at the know, risk knowing, of, yeah right uh, like, being the actual expert versus facilitating the entry of that expert into the claims process is really because really and truly nothing more should be required out of us as a public adjuster than what you would require out of the insured and that's the and so what those duties after the law so instead of the insured actually doing whatever it is that they would do to perform it this is something now the public adjuster to and that's what makes it a service that's that's part of what we're doing right. because it's a list of about 8 to 12 things with you know you know 14 different sub instructions under the eight different things <laughs> you know that you have to that you have to do and and often what we center our focus around obviously is is Proving the loss, the proof of loss and all of the criteria that goes into the proof of loss and how if you're speaking of the form, the numbers that you put on that form, the coverages and and then the actual value of the loss and how we arrive at those numbers. Now, our expertise relies on knowing how to arrive at an accurate number an accurate indemnifying number the best way that we possibly can. So whether you're involving estimators, whether you're involving experts, whether you're involving, um, you know, contractors, whatever the case may be, however it is that you arrive at that number, your skill set really lies in your ability to explain how you're getting those numbers and how all of these experts involved and the information that they're giving culminates into one number. And that's, and that's really kind of what you're doing. Another thing that comes to mind, and, and I, I kind of say this from time to time, it's, it's pretty vague, but it's like part of, part of what I identify with doing every day. And, and it's, it's a skill set that, that I feel like I'm constantly sharpening through practice and trial and error and stuff. It's like, I always say knowing what lever to pull and when. You know, right. Um, depending on the type of claim or the type of loss or, you know, all these different variables, it's it's having a sense of what the hell is going on and what needs to happen next. Um, and it takes some time, you know, it takes it takes some some reps to to kind of get that the handle on that. I mean, for example, Jeremy, you remember back in the day when you'd look at a claim file and it's like, geez, like you kind of, you got to mow through it and you kind of dread like putting this thing together. Whereas nowadays I feel like I can kind of get into any claim at any time and at least have a sense of what the hell I'm looking at. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, and it's just through sort of repetition, like claim awareness, you know, uh, understanding where where we got to go. Right, right. It just I mean, and that is all based off of repetition, Brent, that you do it, you know, however many times a year. You know, I don't want to say every day because I don't necessarily look at a brand new claim every day. So I don't look at a new claim every yeah, day. Sure. So I don't want to say that. But I am constantly looking at losses and whether it's my own personal losses that come through here at Remedy Claims, 
Brent calling me up and say, Hey, let me bounce past something past you. Any of the, any of you out there that listen to the show that may give Brent or I a call, you know, we're putting our hands and our fingerprints on all of these claims. And I, and one of the things that I love about helping people across the nation is my understanding of how things are being estimated. Construction is done, but I really, I, I really want to draw something out here. You know, while I look at a lot of claims, I rely on that reputation, even from my experience back as an IA, working with contractors or whatever the case may be. This is something that has become repetition and commonplace in my world. And Brent, I don't want to speak for you, but I would argue that it's become very commonplace in your world. But I want to get down to what it's like for that individual where it's not commonplace, where they don't do this every day. And so, you know, baby cakes, I just want to ask you a couple of questions if I can. Yeah. Um, even you've been around claims for the past, you know, four or five years, just working alongside me. Yeah. If I weren't around, would you, would you, based on what you know, would you hire a public adjuster just on the stuff that you've seen? And I know your answer is probably going to be yes, but could you imagine what it would take? I mean, would you know what to do? Like I know, you know, things, right. And obviously the smart thing there is to hire the expert that'll get the claim proven. But I mean, could you imagine being a homeowner and having to do all of this stuff myself and figure it out? No. Right. And, and, and you have no recourse to really argue with the insurance carrier. You know what I'm saying? And I think that that's the other thing that because we see claims and we see how carriers pay claims, it's not just understanding the contract contractors is what we consider to be, um, you know, standard across the industry. And I could even probably use a policy term called common construction. You know, turd. I mean, for example, um, two coats of paint is common. Con- did I say turd? Yes. When did I say yeah. turd? I said policy turd. <laughs> policy term is what I said. No, that's not A policy said. term. Nah. Whatever. So. Uh, <laughs> the policy turd. To use a policy turd. It was appropriate. Well, I mean, you know, coordinates with, I guess. I don't know, double entendres aside. Uh, but to use that policy term, uh, you know, the common construction. And common construction changes by region, right? It's common construction to put ice and water shield on the eaves up north where it's not common construction down here. So one of the things that you do have to understand is the region that you're working in. And I'm thankful for my opportunity to put my fingerprints on claims all over the nation that is a that is that that keeps me sharp in a lot of ways but and that's but just to be a homeowner unless you just happen to have something in your history and you have this you slum dog the information it's to actually do what it takes to to prove a loss and submit it to a carrier in order to see an increase in what is paid is a very difficult process. I say all the time, Brent, that um, the uncontested claims process is really pretty easy. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. Um, well, I mean, think about it in, in any other in any other line of work. I mean, and we've kind of gone down this road before, but it's like, you know, you can you can go buy fucking turbo tax and whatever or chances are if you hire an accountant you're going to realize that well turbo tax probably isn't isn't the isn't the whole the whole you know meat and potatoes right it's not the whole it's not the whole bag you know mm-hmm. um you know it, it, it you can go to Google, Google your health symptoms and, and play doctor yourself, or, you know, you, you go, you go see somebody that does it for a living. I mean, it's like, there's all these different examples of like, you want to DIY it? Well, you're, you're more than likely going to get DIY outcomes. If that makes any sense. It's like, sure. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, I, 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 I agree with that. that it's just, you know, one of the things that comes up like with the who does what the the name of this particular segment though is it's interesting going back to that because we answer that question like all the all the time when we're whether we're talking to a policyholder or we're talking to a contractor you know and something something that shows up for me is Dude, it is impossible to know all things about all things. <laughs> right. Yeah. And 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 I I find it interesting that sometimes when 
I get asked a question or, uh, again, whether it's from a homeowner or contractor or whatever, and I just, sometimes you just don't know. And I say, I don't know. Sometimes you get that look and they, they kind of look at you and, and they're, it's like, well, aren't, aren't, aren't you supposed to, aren't you supposed to be the expert? Do you ever get that where, you know, it's like, Hey, let me, let me run this by my team. But you kind of get that like pause or that sideways look. It's like, well, aren't, aren't you the expert? Right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Well, you know, I think that's an interesting thing. And usually I respond to that with, it is virtually impossible for me to know all things about all things. I don't, I don't build houses for a living. I don't, you know, install, I don't do electrical work for a living. I'm not an HVAC specialist. Like, no. So again, who does what? I think that's a, you know, this it's, I think that's a PA misnomer there that PAs know all things about everything, property claim related. I don't know. Well, I don't operate that well way. I don't sell that, but I think I don't either. I mean, I, I under, I, you know, it's like, look, I'm not a contractor. I kind of understand how the ball bounces, but I can't tell you everything (laughs) in and out about, you know what I'm saying? Like I know about as much about that as I do, you know, quarterbacking in the NFL. You know what I'm saying? Like, I can sound like I know about it. I mean, that guy needs to work on his three-step drop and his hip action. He's not getting his elbow forward fast enough and sound like I know what I'm talking about. Well, that's what I'm like on a construction side. Well, we need to get the subfloor up here, and we're going to have to sand all this stuff down. How to go about it, I am absolutely clueless. You know, and to go back, and I'm, and, and often if you would throw me into that situation, I would just I would be just as scared there as I would be playing quarterback in the NFL with six 300-pound men coming to crush me. You know what I'm saying? And and no hope of outrunning them. Zero hope about outrunning them. You know? Um That's and that's pretty funny. You know what I'm saying? So I mean, and that's the reality, but I can sit and talk about football all day long and I can cr- critique and crit- you know and, and and bring up, you know, all of this different analysis and act like a, and sound like an expert, but look man, I ain't ever thrown ball one in the NFL ever. You know? And so I, I think I think it's interesting as I begin to as I begin to grow in what I understand here, really, as I become a better PA, it is not because I learn more about construction and it's not because I, I learn more about estimating. It's because I learn more about how the policy works, lives, breathes, functions and sort of the concept behind which it, which it's written and grasping the theory and the concept behind insurance is the thing that makes me better as a public adjuster. And it also helps me from a negotiating standpoint because you're relating that concept rather than trying to stand on an argument, if that makes sense. Right. It does. It, it does to me, at least it re- that that resonates with me. Um, I, you know, I feel like, again, this, this segment, who does what, or what we don't do, you know, what we ain't going to do, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's just interesting because sometimes I, you know, and, and somewhat regularly, I just feel like when I'm the guy that's like, Hey, that's not exactly our role. Right. I think what, what, what birthed, what birthed this, this segment is just clearing that up because there's 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 a pa there's a stigma out there that pas come in and you know and they they know everything and i don't know where that came from or why but it's not true (laughs) or or that or that basically the homeowner sits back and does absolutely nothing moving forward at all Uh, with the project or anything like that so now it's our job to communicate with the contractor that they hired it's our job to communicate with with you know whatever subcontractor showing up and and determining whether or not that's going to be feasible and if i think that this is right or wrong we don't do that either it is it is solely isolated to the claim and the communication with the insurance carrier. You know what? Sorry, I I, I don't want to do the old. Let me get the last word in. But you just said something that it's another thing that's really interesting. Where you know the homeowner kind of looks at you and it's like, well, do do you have any contractors? It's like, well, yeah, like I know a bunch of them, but I can't go hire your vendor. 
I can consult with you. I'm happy to talk to them. I'm, you know, I, I'm happy to, as your public adjuster and your advocate, I'm sort of happy to to be a part of those conversations, operate with transparency. I will liaise with them, but I can't hire them for you. You know what I'm saying? Like, Yeah. And I, I don't know where I squeeze this in, but you being insulated and a little bit distance from the contractor is a good thing. Understand that because that keeps, that keeps the boundary lines really, really clear on who, who you're working for. And so I don't mind a yeah. little bit of distance between me and a contractor as it pertains to that, because when it comes time, if that, if that particular contractor needs to be, you know, dismissed or whatever the case may be, that is, that is something that helps you with that distance. It makes that transition so much easier. And that, that's just my two cents on, on that deal. But I know we all work with contractors. Yes, I do know a few. There are some that I work really, really well with. But when it comes to referrals, I'm really slow and tell them you need to interview some people and get your own set of warm and fuzzies with them. Yep. But, yep. you know, I'm, um, and, and, I, and I, I don't mind. I don't mind referring, but I make it crystal clear. I'm like, look. You need to interview them. You need to feel comfortable. Like, you know, I, I don't have a dog in that race, you know. Look, right. can, contract contracting work is hard work. Contracting work is really tricky. And I tip my hat to any of the guys out there swinging the hammer and doing this stuff for a living. The last thing that I want is to say, hey, you know, so-and-so over here, this is a great company and this and that. And you know, and you should hire them and then something goes south or something goes wrong. And then the homeowner's looking at you like, well, you told me to hire them. It's like, I actually well, did an entire segment, Brent, yeah. on what happens when it goes sideways with somebody you referred. I actually, oh yeah, you told me. Yeah, that. I actually, <laughs> while you were while you were you you were spending some time with Henry and Hannah, I it was it was a really interesting segment where I talked about when you bring somebody in, and then it's like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna have to ask you to go now because that's just super awkward. But you know, and and there's there's a lot, and I don't really like to get involved in that by and large. I don't either, man. You know, I mean, look, I don't, again, I don't mind making a referral and with guys that in companies that we work closely with or whatever that we have good, you know, I don't mind saying, Hey, good company. I've had nothing but good experiences. I still end that statement with, but you need to interview them and make sure that you understand what the expectations are. That, that transaction is between you and absolutely. At the end of and the your day. agreement is with yeah. them and all of that kind of stuff. I'll work with the insurance carrier. That's who I talk to. But at the end of the day, the contractor is yours. And uh, speaking of uh, speaking of having to communicate with everybody, um, the one thing that I always say is, look, you need to understand while I understand everybody's frustrated with this process, I don't have a magic wand and we're going to get oh, into God. the magic wand in round two because it starts right after this. The Pain of the Claim is looking for sponsors, and we would love to promote a business that provides services or equipment to public adjusters, restoration companies, and roofing contractors, and general contractors. Examples would be like safety gear, roofing-related products, restoration equipment, payment services, CRMs, reporting services, expert services, anything like that. We want to help you tell your story and get you together with the people that really need your help. So give us a call. We can we can get your name out there and we can grow with you. Round two. We ain't got no magic wand. We don't have a magic wand. And I can't tell you how many people and I think I think that that misnomer that that probably has been somewhat dispelled by and large. I think I think we've gotten the word out or at least I I'm so quick to say that <laughs> at the beginning of any transaction, whether it's a contractor or a homeowner. So I need you to understand I can't make them do something that they're not going to want to do. So. Well, the here's. As it pertains to the magic wand thing, the first thing that comes into my head is like is timelines. Okay. Yeah. And and something that you and I talk a ton about is, you know, the differences between us getting a claim at the beginning versus coming in somewhere, you know, after the thing's been mutilated. And so when talking about the latter of the two, it's like I feel like 
without fail, inevitably I get asked the question. It's like, well, what's taking so long? It's like, dude, I don't have a magic wand. Like, you know, this, you, you guys were fucking around with this thing for five months. And then you called me, the carriers already told, you no six times. And you expect me to come in and, and be able to just, you know, reverse six, you know, six different people telling you they don't want to pay for it. So again, the, <laughs> the magic wand thing, you know, is very tongue in cheek, but I feel like expectations get a little bit lost in the sauce sometimes with that. Well, I, I completely agree with you. I, I completely and totally agree with, with, with that. And I, I think, I think sometimes where there is a, a clear, where there's a clear der, dereliction to the guidelines of what the policy has absolutely mandated and 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 covers or whatever when they step right out of that a pa can be really handy to come in and go hey show me in the policy as i read the policy and understand the policy this is not an interpretation again reading is fundamental you hear me say that all the time i'm not interpreting the policy i'm simply reading the document you know and this is not an interpretation what it what we're trying to when we're trying to infer meaning of what the policy is really aiming for what the spirit of the law this is the simple letter of the law is we will pay direct physical damage due to these perils or or you know if it's an open peril policy we pay for direct physical damage you know we will not pay for these kinds of things it's like i don't need to interpret that we will not pay for wear and tear I don't need to interpret that. I understand what it means right there on its face, you know, and, and, and making those on the face arguments, I think is important. And yeah, we are, we are the, we're the group of people, but so much. So, I mean, how much of your work, Brent, honestly, do you spend going, the policy says this though? Um, gun to my head. Less than, I mean, Maybe 30, 40%. I don't know. 30%. Okay. Gun to my head. You know? Right. Like, I, I don't know. I don't find myself sitting there beating the policy to death, claiming and claiming. Right, right. And I think I think diff- there are public adjusters out there that do. I think there are some public adjusters out there that, that really are very policy-driven, policy-heavy, and they do. And I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. But that is personally not my approach. My approach is all about the proof. And that's, and that's my philosophy of how I handle claims because it all boils down to the proof. I, as long as, you know, if a carrier is saying no, I first assume that they, they're really not saying no. They're really saying show me more. Now, I know sometimes they say no even after you show them more. But that's my first default value is go, okay, what is it that you need to see in order to extend coverage? It's a simple question. What, what sort of thing are you looking yeah. for? I think I think what's really important to note there is, you know, if if you're in a situation where you're where you're trying to get something in the coverage or if coverage has already been extended, I mean, I would say that the the vast majority of the claims that we see, some sort of coverage has been extended. It's just you're dealing with, you know, dumb fuck estimates and, you know, things that just on every level don't make sense. Right. So it's more or less trying to un you know provide a preponderance of evidence to sort of illuminate how stupid this is versus like, Hey, you guys actually owe for these repairs due to this provision of the policy. Um, you know, the denials like outright denials, there's no coverage, blah, blah, blah. You know, that's probably 30% of what we see I, by and large, but if coverage, if coverage is open, I don't find myself beating the policy to death. It's more or less disproving or, Proving our position through evidence and things like that. Does that make absolutely that make sense? absolutely? Like I had a contractor call me today, and he he was self confessed pretty new at this. Okay, and I appreciate right. you you qualifying before you call. He's like, look, I'm pretty new at this. I'm going to give you the information I have. I've got a house. I've got a house that's got significant hail damage on it, and um, the policy has apparently this thing called an endorsement for. It's a it's a structural hail waiver, 
I'm butchering that. Okay. But basically if the hail doesn't cause structural damage, hail is not covered as apparel. And I looked at some of the language after he sent it to me and I realized I was dealing with essentially a DP one, a fire policy, like fire and lightning explosion, internal explosion is covered. Those are the name perils of what this thing covers, which is a very old school, an old school, very. Yeah, dude. I don't even know if I've ever seen one of those. Honestly, well, you, I don't. I don't think I've come across one of those. Well, I mean, they're 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 out there, and but most of the time they're not. I mean, agents won't sell them. You know what I'm saying? Because I was going to say I don't. I didn't even think that in 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 Maryland. I should probably know this, but I don't even think they sell that. They probably. Anymore. I, I mean, no, I can't imagine anybody in their right mind would sit down across from a customer and go, "Have I got the policy for you?" You know what I mean? <laughs> Look, it doesn't cover shit, but here, wait, wait for it. You still get to pay for it. <laughs> it's like, I know you're going to be super excited about this. Let me go ahead and get this inked up right now. You know what I mean? And, and it's like, but it'll satisfy your mortgage company for carrying insurance and it'll cost you almost nothing. And then you just have to pay for everything to get fixed. It's that, and everybody's happy. So here you go. This is what, I mean, the only reason I could think is that you absolutely wanted to self-insure you know, against every other peril that there possibly could be other than fire, lightning or internal explosion. And those were the name perils when I kind of I saw like a screenshot or a, you know, kind of the he took a picture of the letter that was sent. And I was kind of looking at some of the language and I was like, well, that sounds a lot like a DP one or just a general fire policy from circa 1968 or something like that. That's when those were around. <laughs> so, I, I mean, and 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 it's like and that's and that's what I want to say is like Look, man, I appreciate you being new, but there is nothing I can do to get around exclusionary language like that. If they don't cover it, I mean, that's the policy that they bought. And I can't go ask an insurance company to buy, you know, to pay for something that they, they clearly don't know for. And the guy was very understanding. I mean, he wasn't he I mean, he didn't fight me on it. He's like, well, OK, I'll I'll let him know. I guess we're just going to go talk about financing options. And I was like, well, that that's probably the next best best step, you know. Um, that's probably the quickest way to a roof, a full roof approval. That if you if you're gonna do it, so I don't. I there is no magic wand, and by and large, I'm not asked to get around, you know, absolutely, um, exculpatory, exclusionary language. So when it's when it's really really clear like that, so I'm not asked for that. The thing that I see is is like after it has gone through a contractor's hands, a reinspection or two you know, supplements back and forth. They've, de yeah. they've denied their requests all the time. They think they can hire a PA and because we show up, we can, we can blow our fairy dust on it. And all of a sudden, all of these items that they want are approved, you know? And so I usually spend the first little bit talking to the contractor about why this isn't covered. <laughs> you know what I mean? The thing that you want in there. And it's like, I know you want supervision hours and I'm all about you having supervision hours. I think it's warranted. I think it's needed, but did you do it? Right. <laughs> and d can right. you prove it? And that's the thing. It's like, right. if you don't have proof that this was done, then it wasn't done. It doesn't matter what you know. It matters what you can prove. And if you can't prove that it was done, I have got a burden of proof in order to get a claim paid. I, I am, I am carrying this burden of proof that you're not providing. And there isn't anything I can do about a lack of, a lack of proof. Right. Right. That's a uh, very real, that's very real. Um, yeah, the theme of this, the, the, I, I, I like this episode because I feel like we're just talking a lot about these things that like they, they come up and I'm going to say it again. Like, I don't know where these ideas came from, so to speak. Like, I don't know what the ideology of them are or is, um, but like, I, 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 I mean, we're talking about it because I come across it a lot. You know, you just, you get faced with sort of some of these lines of inquiry that's like, you know, well, we're going to bring in the big gun, you know, stuff like that. It's like, ah, uh, well, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty effective at what I do, but I don't know that I would consider myself the big gun. Or a mercenary you know? of any kind. Or, <laughs> yeah. Anti-hero. Yeah. <laughs> What's your name? Like, Public adjuster. <laughs> your friends about me. I mean. Yeah, for for our friends and colleagues out there that are listening, insurance companies 
for the most part, they're not scared of us. <laughs> no, they're not. It's not. They're not. They're not. <laughs> they're not shaking in their boots. It's like, you know, us us signing a claim or us, you know, servicing a homeowner or a policyholder. It doesn't just mean that we get our way. <laughs> right. Um, I. I would, you know, on some level, I wish that was closer to the truth. It's just simply not, though. So, um, you know, with all that being said, um, what else do you have to add on that? Well, I, I, I think, I think, um, while we can make we can make a significant difference in some places, and I think what comes to my mind is causation and correlation. It's the reason in their experience when they've hired a PA, it's been positive, and it's and it's yielded a significant amount of results. It is it is very common that I more than double the estimate. I mean, it's not uncommon that I see three or four times increase on an estimate. You know what I'm saying? Um, and yeah. they and they just believe that somehow we're getting ridiculous things approved and we're really not we're really just getting we're drilling it down uh, you know what i mean uh, we're not we yeah, just yeah, understand yeah. how the estimating works we have access to information i think i this is a guess though brand i think we have access to information and understanding that maybe contractors don't really know how to put together in an estimate and in a language that carriers are going okay yeah we can pay for that because they're well I think a lot of desk adjusters are indoctrinated and they learn phrases and they know that they can pay for this phrase. But if you don't use this right phrase, then what, well, I can't pay for overhead and profit. I can't pay for that. Right. You know what I mean? But I can pay for markup. <laughs> well, yeah. I, you know, it's, it's interesting because look, we get, you know, we make a living doing what we do. And that is what we do. That was pretty, that was pretty mind blowing. Yeah. That's some groundbreaking stuff right there, brother. But yeah, yeah. You know, um, hold on to your, hold on to your pants. But my, the reason I say that though is like, yeah, I mean, we, we get the results we get because this is all we do all day, every day. Going back to, I think what we talked about in the first segment, it's like, dude, I'm looking at, you know, I don't know. I'm looking at, fucking roof claims every day but i can't go install one that's not what i do for a living you know what i'm saying so like you know if 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 someone if someone held me at gunpoint i could probably go figure out how to put some shingles up there and you know give it my best college try but it's it's not gonna be right you know yeah i can paint a wall i can paint a wall and it it'll be a passable effort but you bring a professional painter in, it's going to make my work product look like shit. I mean, so again, my whole point is like, to some degree, I mean, we're, we're just specialists at this stuff and all those little wrinkles and nuances. I mean, that's, that's what we get paid to understand. Right. You know? I, I completely, but, um, yes. And, and I love it when we can take an estimate and we can, you know, and lift it up three or four times of what the original offering was. You know, and and as I begin to understand more, I mean, if in fact my job is to prove the loss, why do I expect the carrier to come out with any number whatsoever? You know, and I said there is a good reason that once extension is uh, extension of coverage happens, like in the state of Texas, where you have a prompt payment statute, getting some sort of estimate together because you've extended coverage, even aside and apart from them actually fully performing the duties after the loss, getting that payment out there in five days, I think is really good. I think that by and large, when they adhere to that sort of guideline and those statutes, I think that that's a great reason to write an estimate for what you can see without getting into tearing out drywall and whether or not baseboards need to be pulled over. This is just the stuff I can see standing in the room. I appreciate that effort and I appreciate the, the payment that comes along with it. And then involving us on something, it's not always just an oversight. It's not just that they don't know what they're going to do. Because I think, again, and we've said this a lot, the independent adjusters out there are good people trying to do the right thing and doing a job that that 
that that you know it's hard to find a lot of people willing to travel for months on end especially in a catastrophe situation you know i mean i think they're good people trying to do their job and they're not there just to try to screw you over i don't think anybody wakes up in the morning and go i'm gonna screw some people over today well i can't wait to see yeah. the disappointment cross their face when i crush their hopes and dreams by denying their roof you know i don't think people get up like that i think they do <laughs> i can picture them well i think there's a few of them out there that may enjoy it or I do think they become combative against contractors because I think contractors by and large don't respect their role a lot. And so I think that that's where the, you know, the contention occurs, but that's basically it. You know, I, I, again, I think they're doing a good job, but you know, and I think that's why they hire public adjusters because we actually go into the investigation and write a proper estimate and understand where the contractor is coming from. And I tell a lot of contractors when they want to complain about how low the estimate is like, forget about that. Just forget about it. This yeah. th this got us started yeah. money. This is starting money. Be glad that we got some money to get started with. Don't nobody saying that this is the end. Where I think the criminal thing become c comes in is where people believe and don't research a little bit further and realize that there is a supplement process that is that is absolutely available and they don't always avail themselves of it. Amen. So, um. You got anything to add, baby cakes? Um, no. Just no, nothing at all. No, I'm addicted to TikTok, so pray for me. Oh, we're all praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, <clears throat> I can't. The, the, I think the final. I think the final round is going to be a lot of fun. It starts right after this. <laughs> One of the most difficult claims you can work is a contents claim. It requires extreme detail and significant documentation. Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services is the expert you need on your side. She will handle on-site evaluation, inventory, photo documentation, pricing, and overall contents claim organization. She will work with your team beginning to end so you can focus on the rest of the claim. Do your client a favor and call Ricky McGregor with Monarch Claim Services. You can reach her at 514. 515-783-1434 that's 515-783-1434 or find her on the web at monarchclaimservices.com round three hey we ain't lawyers <laughs> how many times how no many we're times not your phone? dude yeah contrary to popular belief how many times and look this I, I want for anybody listening. I, I want to make it clear that this se segment in particular is very tongue in cheek because at the end of the day, we thrive off of getting the the policy quandaries and conundrums and these brain teaser situations that come up and these egregiously mishandled scenarios that we we all encounter. But I always get a little bit of a kick out of it when someone you know they they lay out the situation and it's ended with is that legal <laughs> <laughs> and, and i think i think it's there's like, a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of uh you know you're sitting at you know thanksgiving dinner next to uncle ned who you see once every five <laughs> years and he goes i right, like i ask you a question man it's sort of like doctors go it hurts when i do this you know don't and it's like well, well, then don't do that you know it's like or, or lawyers get all it's like is it legal if if somebody runs a red light and smashes into you is that legal no i didn't think so and then they've got their own version of the truth it's like this guy ran a red light nobody said anything about it you know, I, it, it's, it's all of these, you know, you get this version of the story from somebody who doesn't understand all of the movings and, and it's like, well, is the red light that they, was it a fire truck? Well, it was a fire truck. Well then, yeah, they can run a red light. Fire department, call out. You know, it's, it's, it's all of these, it's all of these sort of like, well, does that matter that it's a fire truck? Well, kind of a lot. <laughs> yeah. did it have lights and sirens on yeah yeah it had those on well yeah they can run red lights and if you're in their way you're wrong <laughs> so you can rest assured with the fact that if you're in their way you're the wrong one and uh so no that's probably not going to be covered and you're going to have to pay for the liability on that one so that's going to be on you well that doesn't sound legal to me 
And I know, and I speak in hyperbole here. I speak in hyperbole because we get a lot of those questions. We get tons of those questions. Is this right? Is this wrong? Is this, is this okay? I get those from contractors. I get it from homeowners all the time. And, uh, you know, the homeowner's famous last words, you know, we just want our house fixed. We're not trying to make any money. We just want our house fixed. And, and it's like, I cannot draft a letter that moves us into a lawsuit that's going to make them snap to attention and actually pay the claim. That, that is not, that is not what I do. It's, it's like, um, I actually have to go through the process. And often if you've gone through multiple inspections, I've got to clean that mess up. That's one of the very first things I've got to do. Got to, claims got to start all over. I really just got to hit the reset button. And Brent and I have discussed this at length in multiple different segments, episodes, um, you know, kind of the work that's involved when you're, when you're brought into the middle of the claim. And I don't have any problem. Be, I was brought into the middle of a claim today and I, and, and it's, it's a water loss and it's significant. I mean, we're, we're, we've got a very low estimate. We've got an inexperienced desk adjuster and we're going to get through it. But I mean, it's, it's, it's common, but we're not lawyers. We cannot legally make them do it. What we know how to do is simply put the, put the, uh, put the file together and put the proof together that it, that, that, that provides them the opportunity to pay it. And that's really the beginning and ending of what we do. And I think we as public adjusters, even as a community, Brent, and, you know, stop me if you think I'm wrong. I think we throw around a lot of legal terms when we really shouldn't be terms like bad faith and terms like fraud, those kinds of, I mean, we throw those out a lot and we proclaiming, especially even to homeowner. Well, this is fraud. Well, you don't know that, You're, and it, and and that and you start flirting with trying to to practice law there. I'll shut up. <laughs> well, look, I'll dovetail that with it, it's. We see it online a lot, and in the forums, and fraud this and bad faith that, and you know, look, I'm I I've said it a million times. I'm no apologist for insurance companies. Shit. No chance. But those those terms they carry weight, you know. They, they those words those words mean something. And I just I just think that you know, claim to claim it not every not everything's bad faith or fraud. There's a lot of other things that go on in the claim process that that um impact outcomes outside of someone consciously saying i'm gonna wake up and basically screw people over today you know yeah and i think that's important to understand like and and whether and again whether whether it be on the contractor side the homeowner side or our side you know homeowners say that all the time like oh you know this is i can't believe you know that this adjuster's outright lying well Hey, guess what? I've seen adjusters do that shit. I've called them and I've called them on it. Right. And that's a problem. Absolutely. But like, I agree with you. You know what I mean? It, it, you know, there, there's, I've, I've experienced it plenty where there's some shifty stuff going on that, that doesn't hold water. And well, you deal with that accordingly, but that's the exception, not the rule. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's that's not the that's not the daily goings on of every claim that I'm seeing across my desk. Well, and I think we I think it's important that we delineate the difference between an error within a one given claim process and the culture or business practice of an entire company. And and I think I think. I think I've dealt with some carriers that I have some questions about their culture and business practices across the entire company. And I think some of those yes. questions are getting answered right now on a lot of different, on a lot of different levels with a lot of different carriers with everything that's going on in Florida. And look, Florida is just the one that's got the spotlight on them right now. If you think what happened, it's happening in Florida where the homeowners rates are high and insurance carriers are cutting, uh, uh, you know, independent adjusters, you know, estimates way down all of this kind of stuff look guys i was an independent adjuster for a long time and sometimes my estimate got cut down even before the carrier even saw it so it goes through multiple layers before it even gets in front of the carrier and then if the carrier has their round of revisions on it yeah it can look really really different and 
I have, I have, I have seen that happens everywhere. I'm telling you, not just the appropriate time that it happens because you're dealing with inexperienced estimators and trying to get their their file buttoned up. But I have seen this stuff that's going on on in Florida in in so many different places. Whether it's stories that people have told me, or it's actual claims that I've looked at and 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 worked on myself. Yes, I can get into that. Um, but that happens all the time and everywhere. The question is, is, is it a culture and is it part of their business practices and processes? And there's a few carriers I'd like to have some some conversations with over over that very thing. You know what I mean? I would I would like to I would like to ask them, what is it? How is it that you are communicating to your people that you get this consistent results of what appears to be very bad inspections and very very, you know, not recognizing damage that's legitimate because I've seen that lately. I've seen a lot of legitimate damages yeah. or they're not, or they're not divulging. I think I find it to be misrepresentation that they, that they don't tell you what it is that they consider to be damaged. They're redefining damage as opposed to just a direct physical alteration of the, of the, of the building material or item that's been damaged. You know, because it speaks to it, and I think by and large the the policy speaks to a you know an outside unwanted alteration to that given product, whether it's a shingle, gutter, you know, flooring, whatever the case may be. So, you just struck a chord there, and and this would be an interesting, probably debate topic. Not so much what we're doing right now, but it's like. Is it, is it bad faith when we're sitting there we've got a verified data loss? We've got, we've got evidence like the, you know, the, 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 the hand dealt makes sense. And yet you've got someone on the other end of the camera or at the inspection or whatever, looking at it and going, yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's something else. You know, you and I talk about it all the time where we're looking at a clear blue sky on a beautiful day. And, um, you know, we got this knucklehead over here saying, saying it's, it's raining out. It's like, well, no, it's not, you know what I mean? Right. Like sun's yeah. out, sun's out. And you're telling me that it's raining. Like, you know, that's covered damage. No, that's something else. And we can insert whatever, whatever fucking term you want to use. And so that's something that I, I find myself going like, is it bad faith? Is that bad faith? What is what is the word for that sort of systemic misinformation? <laughs> right. You know, like yeah. What what do you what do you call that? You know, you you as a carrier, you hire X company to go out and take X pictures and follow X guidelines, and it's like somehow or another, the majority of the time you come up with the same result, and that result is simply that it's something other than what me brent it's something other than what i'm telling you it is despite the evidence that i'm providing to support my claim right, right, right. that is very 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 frustrating and again going back to my question i don't i don't know what you call that other than like systemic misinformation uh systemic indoctrination like it's just False. Yeah, it's and, and it's like, at what point does the policy, how much damage does there have to be before this policy activates? Because it does not, it, right, you know right. what I mean? There is, well, no, there is yeah. no gradient of damage. Damage is damage is damage is damage. You know what I mean? It could be as small as, as a hailstone leaving no depression, like a, you know, a three quarter inch or a nickel size hailstone hitting a shingle and, and, and accelerating granule loss. Now that's going to be very hard to document, prove and otherwise support, but you know what, I mean? but it doesn't change that it's hail damage. And the thing that Brent and I were talking about um, at one point in time is that I'm a little, you know, and look, as it pertains to hail damage on a roof and, you know, the impact, whether it's breaks the mat, whether it's just granules, whether it's depression, whatever the case, hail damage is hail damage. And it's a covered peril. In fact, they speak to it directly. You know what I mean? To the point that they provide special deductibles just for this peril. You know what I mean? And these deductibles are in place often just for this peril. And then when the peril hits for you to go, no, that's not that peril. 
You've actually required right. that I that I self-insure on this given specific peril, and then you want to argue with me whether or not I believe that this is the peril. So you know that's a that's a really frustrating thing when 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 it is direct physical damage, but you are trying to apply some level of unknown gradient that you are not that you are not letting the rest of us in on, you know, by how you measure it when there is no gradient that applies in the policy. You know what I'm saying? Or just out, or yeah. And, and going back to my point or just outright making up other fucking words for it. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. You know, it's a blemish. It, it, well, <laughs> it, 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 which is also damage. Well, it's not exactly good. And look, I, I think, I think a roof should be able to stand up to more than one storm. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. By and large, yeah, we, I, I, I don't think, I, you know, outside of something biblical hitting your roof, I think, by and large, it should be able to stand up to inch or inch and a quarter hail. That shingles should be able to withstand that sort of impact. And I think at some level, that's what the carriers are looking at. This hail wasn't big enough to damage this roof. So it didn't happen on the date of loss. But none of us know what the hailstone size were. Besides the algorithms, we have guesses. But what we don't have is exculpatory evidence. What we know is hail hit the roof. And whatever damage that hail did, you cannot simply ascertain the hail size based on on the bruise do you know what i mean that is right. that that is that is still very circumstantial and so what we can do is just assemble these things and arrive at a reasonable conclusion based on the evidence that we see but they don't want to do that and i think that they're pulling information that disqualifies it either on some weather report or because the size of it doesn't match this i even had a carrier tell me one time the angle the the damage on this roof does not support that it was hail because the angle of the hail would have struck differently so we know that this isn't hail damage and it's like the you can tell the angle of the object that hit it by the damage that's on the roof now i'm pseudos I'm saying like I'm I'm not saying that there isn't some scientist out there, but if there is, he ain't working for an insurance company. And he's not well, measuring hail strikes on roofs. I mean I don't know, man. Um I in, in my market, so we don't we don't see the, the kind of hail activity that you guys do. True. You know. And the hail that we do see isn't of the size and magnitude that you guys have. And so the, the prevailing theme that I find myself running into on a hail claim is more along the lines of, again, not to belabor the point, but it's more along the lines of I'm sitting here telling you based on the weather report, this, that based on these factors, that's a hail hit, you know, again, you kind of go through the gamut and it's like, oh, well, nah, that, mm, all right, that, that doesn't look like hail that I think that is, uh, you know, maybe, maybe the installers dropped, uh, tools on the roof, you know, and it's just kind of like it, where, where does the bullshit stop? And well, where does I, the speculation I, I, stop? Where that's yeah, I mean, exa exactly. Where where does your opinion on this? It could have been you know, one I'm of the four feet that stuck out from the bottom of the spaceship. Hell, it could be Santa Claus's reindeers that caused this. But I mean, that's not all. Any, I mean, those those are not what I would call pl plausible occurrences. You know what I mean? And what you're saying is is falls under the implausible occurrence category, in my opinion. You know what I'm saying? You, you know what I mean, Brent? It's like. Whatever. Yeah. I, I, so if I were to put a bow on it and and get my last word in here for this segment with, hey, we ain't lawyers, you know, when the carriers do this stuff, I'm not judging jury on whether it's legal. And I'm certainly not judging jury if it meets the burden of being considered bad faith, bad faith or fraud. What I will say is that it's really fucking annoying. <laughs> it is. And that's what lawyers are for is to go out and we and I mean, because w then it just boils down to evidence because we they believe that their evidence is right. We believe that our evidence is right. But the real thing is, is they haven't really presented any real evidence other than a thought or an opinion, whereas that's what we that's what separates us. And that's why a lot of cases get settled in depositions is because of the evidence that that is brought to bear. And when you're dealing with a judge who is not actively involved in settling claims, 
You know what I mean? I believe that judge understands how an insurance policy works, and I think he understands what the qualifications of the insurance policy are. But after that, it's pretty much all sort of, you know, how he can best make a decision. And because we're more geared to the to the evidence side of things, and they're more geared towards the there's no evidence, no evidence exists, and you can't prove a negative side of things. You know, and and that's why that's why lawyers are needed to navigate the legal and court process, which is a whole different thing altogether. If you want to know more about the legal process, check out Law and Policy, where I talk to an attorney and we talk about the legal process. But I mean, the the legal process is this whole other thing, just as weird and convoluted as the claims process and how you get experts and do this and navigate all of this. It's all of these steps that have to go into place, and it's even more stringent on the legal side of things and i'm glad that we have our good friends attorneys to navigate that for us but that is not who we are and whether or not it qualifies to enter into that process is something for an attorney only and i just simply submit it to them and see what they say and if they say hey this looks like a great case then we move forward and yes over time we do gain some experience and we can recognize right and wrong you know i don't have to have a radar gun to tell if somebody's going 60 miles an hour down a residential street i don't know how fast they were going but i certainly know they were speeding so right it's like porn <laughs> you know it when you see it you know i can't really define it but you know it when you see it that's for sure uh-huh uh but i mean and that's and that's pretty much it and guys that's 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 the show for today you know, um, and kind of where PAs, PAs shine. Remember, we're just basically here to to assemble the proof and present it in a way that is easy for them to extend coverage. And, uh, you know, I I understand the frustration of how it feels like we're all forced to use Xactimate. And it seems like that they're getting to control and drive the entire construction market through what they believe is is and isn't warranted you know and and i think that there's an element of truth there i think that there's definitely some reform that's needed across everything that we've talked about you know as it pertains to dealing with carriers but for so long as they continue to do things the way that they do them i have a job <laughs> you know so um, as much as I want yeah. things to be easier, do I really want it to be? Easy? I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a that's an existential uh, question for another day. Uh, yeah. uh, Brent, you got anything to send us off into uh, into the sunset with? Have a good evening, baby cakes. <laughs> Bye. Hey, we will be back uh, next bye. week, and in the meantime, stay ready so you don't have to get ready, and we will see you on the next one. Try to diminish it. I won't start it, but I damn sure will finish it.